0: Support for Talking Art on WVIK comes from the people at Quad City Bank and Trust, helping the local community with their banking and financial needs for more than 20 years. Information is at QCBT.com. This is Carolyn Martin, and I'm Talking Art today with Amelia Bay, a freelance hairstylist working on Broadway and television who is originally from the Quad Cities. Welcome, Amelia. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Now, first of all, I'd like to say that we are practicing social distancing for this interview. You're quarantining in Michigan. I'm in Iowa, and our producer, Jared Johnson, who is working remotely, is also in Iowa. And you know, the one good thing about the current COVID-19 crisis is that I'm finally able to record an interview with you. Your schedule is much less hectic.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, um, I'm really excited this finally worked out. I've got
0: lots oh. of free time. <laughs> Now, when New York City shut down, you were working on the filming of Law & Order, SVU, or Special Victims Unit. When did you learn that the remaining season was canceled because of the pandemic?
1: So there was a lot of rumors and speculation going on. And I believe it was the day after the NBA shut down that that day we were like, there was a lot of rumors going around. And we finally got, I think I got the text the day after that on uh, April 12th that they had suspended filming for the rest of the season. Um, And then the next day I got another text from Bull, another TV show I was working on, and they also had shut down. And then I got another text from another show I was working on. And it just kind of, all of a sudden, all my work just kind of disappeared. And no, you know, a lot of the seasons suspended, a lot of the shows suspended the rest of their season. Um, And as a freelancer, you know, I'm not on any kind of salary. They owe me nothing. So I just
0: kind of, that, that was it. Now, while you recently transitioned to the television industry, you, you worked on Broadway for quite a few years prior to that. And I was surprised to learn that in theater, it's rare to use an actress's own hair. And that as a stylist, you primarily use wigs. Why is that? Um, There's a
1: multitude of reasons. Um, You know, if, if the, if the production has the budget, uh, wigs are, a really good way to keep uh, continuity and consistency, so that every show, eight shows a week, the hair looks the same. The stylist has full control, and they're not at the. Um, they don't have to worry about if the actress is going to come in with dirty hair, or maybe you know she di- she decided to dye her hair. So it gives the actors freedom to do what they want with their hair and we don't have to kind of put a contract on their hair. Um, But it also gives uh, the show uh, an easier time maintaining the integrity of the design, Uh, especially if it's 1930s, very specific. Those styles could take an hour and a half to get perfect every night on the actress. And then they have to pay them an hour and a half before every show. And, you know, it just, it actually becomes more expensive in a way to use the actor's hair.
0: Hmm. So there's some cost concerns. With yeah, that. For I sure. had not really thought about that and and ultimately you had said that that really if you didn't use a wig it would be damaging to to curl their hair or fix their hair on these period styles
1: yeah I mean you're typically using heat styling whether it's roller sets or you know uh, hot irons and they're 450 degree irons eight eight times a week, you know, uh, eventually that's going to really start to damage the, the actor's hair. Then you're getting into coloring costs as well. If you want the actors to be a blonde for the show, you have to maintain her color every couple of weeks to make sure when her roots come in and then you're putting damage from hair color. So it's a lot easier to just fit them for a custom wig. And then, um, they can kind of take that off at the end of the night and walk away. And, and you can have that time to restyle the wig for the next day.
0: How do you create a wig for a show? What what are the actual steps you need to go through?
1: Um it it varies, but if you're making a fully custom wig and the show has the budget to make a fully hand-tied wig, uh a lot of times um you know, like the leading lady and that kind of a thing, will will definitely have a a fully customized wig with every individual hair tied into it. Um and you start with uh calling the actress in for a fitting. And you take a bubble of their uh, – like a, a kind of a shape of their head with saran wrap and clear tape and sharpie out the hairline. Um, and then you take that, put it on a wig block, pad that out, and then you start laying your foundation for it. So we use like a really fine netting called uh, like lace. Um, and we lay that out and you then hand knot uh, each hair onto the little bars of the lace to create a custom wig.
0: It's incredible to think that you hand knot these. So how long would it typically take to create a wig? It varies so much, but it could be, I mean, it could
1: be anywhere up to, you know, 80, a hundred hours, depending on the, you know, if you're doing it on film lace, it's so delicate. You have to be so careful not to rip the little bars and, you know, you're using really, really fine. We even use mohair in the front, which is, you know, animal hair that's just like Super, super baby fine, um, so that it looks like it's growing out of the scalp. So that takes a lot more time and manipulation. Um, but if you're making a theater wig and you know you're doing a wefted back where you're not hand tying it, you could knock it out in you know ten hours or something.
0: Mm-hmm. Where where does this happen? Obviously, it doesn't happen at the theater. Are there specific places, specific shops that you go to?
1: yeah, there's ventilating shops and that kind of a thing uh, all over New York City. Um, it's, its, it's' its own animal, but uh, there's all different ventilating shops, and sometimes they'll source them out from you know other parts of the country or the world or whatever. But uh, most designers have, uh, you know, their own shop or their own group of people that they like to use uh, that ventilate for them.
0: It's so interesting to think about all the work that goes on before a show starts. After the casting is decided upon, um, how far in advance do you need to start working on these before the previews begin? It all varies,
1: and that's more of the, you know, the designer's thing. The supervisor kind of, you know, comes in maybe a couple couple weeks before tech starts, um, just to kind of help them get all their ducks in a row and get ready. But really, as soon as rehearsals start and as soon as you get a cast list, that's, that's when you can really start getting those actors in for fittings and start crafting all of this. And I'm sure that there are design meetings even beforehand uh, just to get the concepts um, with the costume designer uh, collaborating with uh, all the other uh, elements of production. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Now, when you worked on Sunset Boulevard, which, which starred Glenn Close, there were hundreds of wigs that needed to be fitted for that single production. Um, yeah. You know, and as a viewer, when you go to the theater, it seems or watch a film, it seems so seamless, um, and that's part of the magic, I suppose.
1: Yeah, we had uh, eight people um, just for hair and makeup on that show. Um, one personal for Glenn for her hair, one for her makeup, and then we had six people in the room for the rest of the ensemble and the whole rest of the cast. Um, and all of us did quick changes and you know maintained the wigs every day and came in and washed them and. Restyled them, and you know, it, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, but that's um, that's kind of the beauty of it. the The goal is to walk out of the theater and and not be noticed as a hairstylist because that means you did your job and that
0: you're not distracting mm-hmm. from the storytelling. You've been working as a hair supervisor recently. What what is the difference between a hair designer and a hair supervisor for a particular show?
1: Um, the designer is the person that, uh, like implements the design and they, uh, decide what the character is going to look like to create that, that picture. And then the supervisor's job is to maintain the integrity of the design. So they'll often have, uh, you know, an assistant, maybe even a third or a fourth or a fifth or a sixth hairstylist that is, um, working with them as a team to create, uh, the exact same design every night that the designer has put in place and making sure that the parting is always on the right side and that the wave comes right over the left eyebrow and, you know, like just your goal is to have your designer be able to come if they ever pop into the show, you know, that they would be, they would say that's, that's what I put in place and that you, that you've done your job if you've done them proud and maintaining their design. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, there's so many details. It sounds like a almost like a symphony of sorts. I can imagine the swirl of activity <laughs> around around each person's hair, having it be so precise. Um now now you're working in television now. You've kind of made a little bit of a transition. How does working in, in TV differ from working on Broadway for you?
1: Oh, it's it's a completely different animal. Um hours wise, uh, energy wise, everything. Um You know, you walk into the theater and you typically have a five-hour day on a one-show day. You know, you get there an hour and a half before curtain and you get all your wigs styled and ready to go and do all your presets for the show. And then you do the show, which is usually anywhere from like an hour and a half to three hours sometimes. And then you put your wigs away, maybe set them for the night so that, you know, they can sleep in whatever shape they need to be. And then you walk away. And it's usually... It's the same thing every day, um, which is good and bad. Um, it's nice to have routine. Um, but for TV, you know you you don't know your call until sometimes a half hour before you leave work or you don't know your official call until a half hour after you leave work. Um, and you could be leaving work at two in the morning and not know that you're called until 2:30 in the morning and you have to get up the next day at you know noon or 10 a.m or whatever it is. So, you can go into work for TV at 6 a.m. or 6 p.m. and you could be working two hours or 18 hours. So, it's it's completely different, um, and you're doing different things every day. You know, you don't have the same structure that you do within Broadway. Uh, you're doing whatever you're filming for that day. So, if it's a hair heavy day, uh, you might be run ragged by the end of the day, uh, and if it's a day where you know, it's a couple of guys on screen with just their buzzed head, then you might just kind of be trying to pinch yourself to stay awake. So you never know what you're going to get thrown.
0: Right. I didn't think about the fact that, that filming, shooting outside outdoors would create some havoc, you know, a lot more. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You can't control the elements. So having, um, an actress and you curl their hair and then all of a sudden it's so humid and an starts raining in the middle of the woods and you don't have any power and you have to text someone to quick bring you a, have a PA bring you a cordless iron from your trailer and you're trying to make it happen. You're not trying to hold up the shot. I mean, it can be, there's days where I would walk away from set and just be emotionally and mentally drained. Um, But it's satisfying. And then there would also, you know, there's be days where I, I didn't really touch any hair, but I'm there just in case something, you know, goes wrong.
0: Mm-hmm. You've worked on one of my favorite TV series, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yeah. And also worked on Monsterland. Yeah. And that's coming out this fall.
1: Yeah. I'm hoping still it's on track with everything that's going on in the world right now, but I'm really excited to see that one. It's a new um, Hulu series, and it was the first season, so it'll be fun to see it come to life after working on it for seven months or so.
0: I didn't realize that you do this, that you take photos continuity photos to make sure that from scene to scene say if you're filming another day that things look just exactly as they did when you last filmed
1: totally that's one of the main parts of uh doing hair for TV uh, and you are often working with the actress's actual hair so if she comes in one day with curly hair and the next day she comes in with straight hair you have to kind of Figure out how to match her natural curl texture that she came in with the first day, or whatever, whatever you're thrown. Um, sometimes you'll do reshoots, and the actor will come in and they've dyed their hair or something, you know, and you have to kind of think on the spot um, and throw in some root spray or whatever it is. And thank God you have all you take as many pictures of the monitor and the actor as you can, so that you can reference those if you ever have to do a reshoot or match the same look or whatever it is.
0: Now you're originally from the Quad Cities and you graduated from Pleasant Valley High School in 2010. What what was your time in theater like there and what influence do you think uh your education there had on your eventual career? Um
1: it was it was great. It was the thing that made me want to work in theater. The I think my my fondest memories from um from high school theater was just like I remember my freshman year. I designed um, the makeup for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and I was so excited that I got to be the makeup designer as a freshman. And um, I just remember the the warm, like, loving family like environment that the theater is, and everybody just be kind of became my my family. And I think that that's what appealed to me so much. Where I was like, you know, I want to I want to work. I want to do what I love, which is hair and makeup for theater, like as a career. And I guess the pinnacle of that was, was Broadway. So that was, that's what I made my goal. So I think that they, that gave me, you know, what, um, what, like my goal for, for my career, which is huge.
0: And it's a great story. After you left, you know, the Quad Cities, you, you specifically chose the North Carolina School of the Arts. How did you decide to go there and what degree did you earn? Um, I, Went
1: to about five different colleges uh, and did the visits and everything. And I decided on North Carolina School of the Arts because I didn't realize this until I got there, but they actually offered a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree specifically in hair and makeup design, which is what I wanted to do. All of the other schools um, that I went to only offered you know, your bachelor degree in theater tech or a very vague umbrella of, um, the technical aspect of, of theater. Um, so I, I decided that that was the only place that I wanted to go to. Uh, and there's one other school in the U S uh, Cincinnati opera that offers a bachelor of fine arts in hair and makeup, but, um, those were the only, those are the only two schools in the nation. So. I, I kind of decided that, that that's what I wanted.
0: Mm-hmm. And besides learning the techniques of hair design, you also had to study and come to understand the period or historical changes in hair that have occurred yeah. over time.
1: Yeah, we had a whole class my freshman year, uh, hair history and styling. Um, and we went through, you know, everything from ancient Roman times to contemporary present day hair. Um, So you went through your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, learning the differences and why uh, they did that styling for that period. And um, I think that's really important to have, especially when I have worked on, you know, uh, Miss Maisel and The Hunt, uh, which is a new show coming out with Al Pacino and A Plot Against America, which is 1940s. Uh, It's a show I worked on with uh, Winona Ryder. So all of those different periods and nuances, um, I think, are really important to have as a foundation going into those period shows.
0: After you graduated and and left North Carolina, you were able to land several internships, but your first big job was Flashdance the Musical. And that was a traveling show. What, What was working on the road like?
1: Um, it was insane, but I wouldn't change a minute of it. Um, we were on a it was my it was a non equity bus and truck tour um, where we did a lot of one nighters. So we'd be in one city and we'd have to pack up that same day and get on the road and sleep on the bus. and wake up and do it all over again at the next place, and um, it was it was crazy. But it was the perfect time to do it just out of college, and I learned so much and. It was such a great experience. I really had a good time.
0: And the hair, I still laugh when I think about the hair from that film, which was early 80s. The yeah. big, pruned hair.
1: Oh, it was, it was really, it was such fun hair to get, get to do because it was that big, fun 80s hair. We even had, um, you know, in the movie, there's that strip club that she kind of slips into with the wrong crowd. Um, and uh, so we got to do all of those crazy neon day glow hairstyles and makeup and, you um, it, lots of crimping, and it was a lot of fun
0: when you're on tour, it was also interesting to find out that uh, that not everybody travels when you go from city to city, you pick up artists just for that particular show that's being performed in that one place,
1: yeah, yeah, we have um you can't they really can't afford to travel everybody, so they'll typically just travel one or two people from each department. So, uh, I was the only hairstylist, but when we got to a city, I picked up three additional hairstylists and I didn't know who I was going to get and what their capabilities would be. I've gotten people that had never used a curling iron. I had gotten people that, um, uh, that probably could style hair better than me. You just never know what you're going to get. So that was, um, that was definitely the most challenging part of it: is training a crew uh, to do this crazy show with all these quick changes, where you really can't miss a beat, or the actress might go on stage bald, and that's on you. And so that was that was the crazy pressure part of it. And then as soon as they learn it, you have to leave them behind and train a new group. So it was hard.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, after Flashdance, the musical closed. You return to New York City, and I'm curious about how you got your name out there. How did you? start that next phase of your career? Um, it's
1: all about word of mouth in, in my industry. Uh, it really is. It's, um, who, you know, and you know, if you, you want to try to make good impressions with everybody that you get the opportunity to work with and so that they want to hire you again. And, um, yeah, it's all word of mouth. I went and, you know, hit the pavement and dropped off my resumes at all the different stage doors and, uh, got a call. My first call was from Aladdin and that was the first uh, Broadway show that I got to swing at. And when you say swing, what does that mean? Um, It's it's essentially like you're swinging in to fill in for somebody that uh, might call in sick that day. They might've injured themselves and be out for six weeks and you're filling in for them, or they might just be taking a vacation in Mexico uh, and they need somebody to cover that week for them. So they train you to do the you know, everything that they need to do from the beginning to the end of the show and all of that. And then you swing in and take over, and sometimes you have a half hour notice. and they say, "Can you please come right now?" And <laughs> you're like, "Oh my God, I've you know you have to run tracks cold sometimes, which means you've never learned it or anything. They hand you notes and they throw you on stage, you know, on backstage, and you try to figure out which wig goes on which actor. and it's it's um, it's definitely an adrenaline rush swinging and especially on some of those harder shows.
0: It sounds stressful too, but it um, is. It's fun. What would you say has been your greatest professional achievement so far?
1: Um, I have always wanted to, you know, be a Broadway supervisor. Uh, that's kind of what always has appealed to me the most. Uh, once I got into this industry and I realized, you know, there's the designer and there's the ventilators and there's all these different roles. And so, um, I really wanted to supervise and I uh, got to finally do that. Last year I opened um, Be More Chill around this time actually. And it's a new Broadway show that had come out and that was that was probably my greatest achievement thus far. It was a really, really cool feeling to be able to open a Broadway show as the supervisor.
0: I just read that that Be More Chill is is coming to Chicago. It's supposed to open in July. Now we'll see cool. with you know with right. the pandemic with that. If that plays out, but um, but I'm excited to see that, yeah, it's a so, great show now, you've also said that with your recent switch to television, you're starting the trek all over again. Is it exciting to move on to a new challenge?
1: yeah, for sure i um, I always like to challenge myself, and you don't really learn there's there's a point where you know you kind of feel like you've learned all that you can from one area and you want to expand your knowledge, so I I felt like the scariest thing to do would be jump into something brand new. So that's
0: that's what I wanted to do. Finally, you know, you've made you have some big changes coming up in your life and, and are getting married in August, I understand. So congratulations on that. Thank um, you.
1: Hopefully, yeah.
0: Yeah, and your fiance is a Broadway actor. And I am imagining that there's a certain camaraderie that working in the same stressful business brings to you. Do you do you think that's true for the two of you?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think it's really nice to be able to understand uh, the stress and the other person's industry without being competitive in it. Like if we were both actors, I think that would be really hard. (laughs) Um, And, you know, if he gets cast in a show and, you know, I didn't or something. But it's nice to be able to understand each other's industries and stresses and all of that um, without any kind of competition or anything like that.
0: Well, Amelia Bay, thank you so much for talking today. It was it was delightful. And I, and I certainly hope that New York City reopens relatively soon when it's safe and that you can get back to the work that you love. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much for chatting with me, Carolyn. I really appreciate it. Originally from the Quad Cities, Amelia Bay now lives in New York City working as a freelance hairstylist on television and on Broadway. This has been Carolyn Martin, Talking Art in the Quad Cities for WVIK. Our theme music is provided by a Quad City legend, the late Ellis Cal.